Hey everyone, you're listening to the Modern People Leader Podcast. In today's episode, we'll be diving into what's top of mind for us right now, where we'll talk about the most timely and relevant topics that are probably on the minds of a lot of people out there in the HR world. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Modern People Leader. What's going on, Stephen? What's up? How's your, uh, how's your Friday going? Friday's going well. It's been, it's been busy. There's a lot going on, but I think the reality that Thanksgiving's next week and Christmas, New Year's right after that, I think people are starting to, to realize like- Feels a little bit hectic. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Like the year's yeah. almost over. So it's been busy, but it's been kind of quiet, which is nice. So yeah. It's nice good. to be here in person again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess my Friday has been a bit different. I have literally done nothing work-related today because we get recharged Fridays That's every right. other Friday. So uh, yeah, my day has consisted of going on a long walk, going and hitting golf balls at the driving range, and then kind of just hanging around. So uh, the this weather, is a nice way to finish off my Friday. Yeah. The weather is finally feeling fallish here yeah. in Texas, which yeah. is also nice. Yeah. Like 50-ish degrees. Yeah. It's literally not cold at all, but yeah, I am in my hoodie and sweatshirt. Me too. So, yeah. So uh, what's what's been on your mind, man? Anything anything top of mind for you right now? My goodness. You know, I think there's so much. that That's a dangerous question to ask. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, what's been rattling around, we've talked a lot about culture, culture, culture. I think that's been something that I've thought a lot about in just from our modern people leader interviews, from conversations with the team. Um, it just seems to be coming up in like one out of every four conversations that I'm in right now. Yeah. And I'd say that it's pretty similar on my on my end. I guess the people that we're talking to on a daily basis are very similar. And yeah, culture seems to be what everyone's focused on right now. And I don't know. I I I think that over the past year and a half, I mean, we kind of talked about this a couple episodes ago. It's like there's always something new to focus on. And I think the one thing that was kind of forgotten about or not talked about all that time was culture. Yeah. And it's like now it's in everybody's face and it's the one thing that is top of mind for a lot of people leaders. Well, and it's so interesting because we founded Workify in 2015, let's call it. Um, then we got to like our, the product that we have today, 2016. But in the early days, we, talked almost exclusively about culture and how important culture is. And it's just interesting. Then, you know, there was new trends in, yeah. in HR, it was engagement and then employee experience and then employee listening. Yeah. And so here we are full circle back to culture, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I think it's like, how do we build culture in this new world? I think that's the big right. question. Right. And yeah. the, the reality is a lot of companies probably hadn't really built culture pre-COVID. Yeah. And so similar, you know, I think for those that have strong cultures, they've been impacted. Yeah. And for those that, that did not have strong cultures, that was exposed by COVID. Yeah. Almost exacerbated. So exactly. the lack of culture is even more obvious 
if it wasn't something that they had before. Right. Yeah. When you when you kind of get rid of the the kind of cosmetics of culture, the ping pong tables and the the parties and all of that, the easy quick win things. Once you're unable to do that, like what's left yeah. is really there. And I think for a lot of companies, it exposed like, oh, we don't, you know, what we thought was the culture, you know, isn't strong enough yeah. to keep our top talent. I saw something the other day on LinkedIn and I thought it was a really interesting uh, definition of culture. And I, I wish I remembered who said it, but they said something like, culture is the i guess worst thing that's tolerated by a company culture is the worst or the worst thing. or like the worst behavior like whatever the worst behavior is at a company that's tolerated yeah it's like what how do your how do your employees <laughs> act when you know the bosses aren't watching yeah or you know what are the kids doing when you know the parents are away yeah i i think that that's that's true. And I think what is causing the anxiety is that how do you monitor? Like, I think companies had tools in place, structures in place to monitor culture mm -hmm. when we're in the office. Yeah. Like, how do you monitor that when we're remote? Or yeah. It's a mix. Yeah. Definitely tougher. Yeah. Well, we'll save the rest of this conversation yeah. for another day. I, uh, I, I saw a trending article on LinkedIn. I think it's actually an article by LinkedIn and the headline is what inspires Gen Zers to stay or quit. And mm. they recently did Catchy headline. Yeah. Yeah. They recently did a survey that they were sending out to LinkedIn members. I think they were sending it out to, you know, 5,000 people every couple of weeks. And then once they had enough data, they put together this article mm -hmm. and um, it's, it's really interesting the main things that the Gen Zers are looking for or draws for, for them to leave their current situation and go somewhere else are higher pay, faster advancement, or better benefits. And those all seem pretty obvious. Pay, and actually, hold on, hold on. I actually pay, missed one. Advancement, benefits, and? And better aligns with interests or values. So okay. value alignment. Value alignment. And right. I, it feels like that one kind of ties back to the culture conversation absolutely yeah it's like almost a new way of saying they want to go somewhere with a good culture that is one thousand yeah. percent to me like obviously yeah. we don't know but I, yeah. I believe that's what they're saying yeah yeah um i don't know here let me let me find some of these uh some of these stats so better compensation was cited 72% of the time by Gen Zers. Okay. And uh, that was the number one, you know, reason for for switching for switching industries. Number two at 69% was better alliance with my interests or values. Wow. And it's interesting, you look across the diff the different generations. For baby boomers, 40% cited that. For Gen X, 45% cited that. And for millennials, 59%. So I feel like that's a pretty big jump from 45% with Gen Xers to 69% with, with Gen Zers. Yeah, it, it's interesting that, that that discrepancy is is interesting. 
you know, another one, I think all across the board, these are pretty, pretty interesting. I, I think that even the better compensation at 72% is like, when I think about when I joined the workplace, I think I had an expectation that I'm going to get a salary. That's going to be awesome. Like we get paid some money, yeah. but I didn't have, I think I had tempered expectations. Mind you, this was 20 years ago. It was a long yeah. time ago, but I was like, Oh, cool. 35 K yeah. to be a consultant. Like, awesome. <laughs> I'm in. And I was the exact same way. And, and, you know, it's funny, like, so Gen Z, the oldest Gen Z years are 24. So they've only been in the workforce for wow. a couple of years. So it was pretty mind blowing that 65% of the people surveyed of Gen Zers surveyed have either switched jobs or are planning to switch jobs. Wait, wait, say that again. Um, I think I'm getting this right. 65% of Gen Z job seekers yeah. have either switched industries or are considering doing so. Wow. So, and they're only two years into their careers. And, and to your point, when I was looking for a job, it was like, where can I learn? Like that was, that was probably the top, the top thing that I was optimizing for. And uh, yeah, I was like, you know, probably going to have to take a salary that isn't as high to begin, but I'm going to learn a lot. And that's what's most important. Um, and it's interesting to see that well, pay is cited as, the top reason for switching careers. And I think it's because of the shift to this more remote or hybrid environment yeah. where they have way more opportunities than, they, than we ever had, right? We were limited by location for the most part right. or the two or three locations that we were considering now. Open game. Yeah, exactly. Open game. Like I can, I can apply for any job anywhere. Exactly. And, and so I think though, just one thing that jumps out at me is these are individuals that are probably what, 21 to 24. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, or maybe even 22 on, to 24. Right. You yeah. might be on the five-year plan like me <laughs> and start a little later. <laughs> That's true. Um, so, but they, so these are young individuals Yeah. and they, the number one driver for why they're looking to switch jobs is better compensation. But number two, a close number two is better aligns with my interests or values. So it's like, I want a high paying job with an awesome culture, but it's going to be a hard, I can understand why people are leaving so quickly. Yeah. It, it's almost like, are those expectations even feasible to be met? Yeah. At so I, I have a little brother his name is Mateo and he's 22 years old. He's a senior in college and he'll be starting his, you know, first real job come, I guess, June. And, uh, prior to us meeting up and recording this, I sent him a text with a few questions because I figured, you know, we have all the quantitative data from LinkedIn, but it would just be fun to text my brother and see what he has to say. What did he say? So I said, what were the one to two most important factors for you when you were, you know, looking for your job. And he said, work-life balance and salary. So work-life balance wasn't really something that was even noted in here, which is interesting. Um, but salary, like that was, that was the, the second, that was one of two things that he mentioned. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I said, what was the least important to you? He said, location. While there are specific areas of the country, I definitely would not want to live. <laughs> this wasn't as big of a factor that played into my job search. So while he's talking, you know, specifically about location, I think what's interesting in this data is that flexible work from home policy wasn't nearly as important for Gen Zers. And it's it, actually the last. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? Like 42%, 41%. And um, I mean, it makes sense to think about when you first you know, went into the workforce, you wanted to be in the office probably, right? Yep. You wanted to, to learn you know, directly from your peers and be around them every day and kind of get a feeling of what it's like to be in the office on a day-to-day basis. Right. So I guess they haven't had a chance to, to get jaded yet, right? right. Or um, yeah, they, they, they don't want to write it off just yet. Like they or want- they're suffering from the PTSD of having to stay at home orders and like- not That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then I asked him, ideal situation, like describe the type of company that you want to work for. Nice. He said, the type of company I'd want to work for is one that values diversity and collaboration. In addition, a, co- a company that provides the equal opportunity to accelerate in your career and be able to work long-term. And I, I guess the keywords there that I noticed were values, diversity, and collaboration. So diversity, when, when, he, when he says diversity, that makes me think of values. Yep. Um, I think that more, I think, so one thing that the LinkedIn article talks about is how Gen Zers are very idealistic. Mm-hmm. They that adds up. Yeah, they they think that you know ideal situation. They work for a company that shares the same personal values that they do, not just like you know be a good person and that type of thing like within the office. But they want the company to sh- to share their same views politically in some cases. Um, which I thought was really interesting. Fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that's so fascinating and it also makes sense to me why some companies are really leaning into taking social positions. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that that makes sense and I think companies should be taking a stance, but I think there's a lot of people that think, well, is that really, you know, there's personal life and professional life. Yeah. And those two things historically have always been kept separate. And obviously, well, I think that there was a, an effort to keep those things separate by employers. And so the, I think now we have this blurred situation where companies are increasingly taking social positions. Employees want their companies because that they, it sounds like from what the data is saying, they want to know, am I going to work? for a company that has and shares the same values that I do. Yeah. So it's, it starts to make a little more sense for me um, because, you know, I'm in the gen gen X, which is the generation I fall into, you know, I we're at 45% better aligns with interests or values. So we're 24 percentage points lower than gen Z on, you know, my, employers values aligning with kind of my personal values, you know, and I know that the data points are slightly different, but it, um, it's interesting. It's interesting to see this all play, play out. Yeah. Yeah. It almost feels like the older generations. Um, and when I say older, I guess I'm lumping 
you into that as a Gen X. I'm older. Yeah, that's a fact. Yeah, it's like you, take your that. generation had this like clear um, distinction between professional and personal life and therefore making sure that your company, I don't know, uh, the morals of the company align with yours. Right. To a certain extent, don't matter as much. Because there's a there's more of a clear line between your personal and professional life. Yeah, when I remember, because I worked for an investment bank during the financial meltdown. Yeah, I'm sure that was interesting. Literally, we were at our computers. There was a week I'll never forget that we were just looking at the news, wondering like, are we gonna will our bank fail? Yeah. And fortunately, you know, the bank that I worked for did not fail, Um, but there was a lot in the press about my employer. And I remember some people finding the the unflattering press to be a factor in the decisions they were making, whether to stay working at that firm or not. Yeah. And for me, like you know, I considered all of that, but um, that wasn't a primary driver for yeah. me. And uh, and so I feel like today, mm-hmm. you know, that same situation in the current environment. I have to imagine would there would be a lot more people based on what this data is saying that would be like, yeah, this is not cool. I'm out. Yeah. And it's crazy to think that by 2025, so in four years, Gen Zers will make up 27% of the workforce. That that that's a head scratcher for me. Yeah. I just can't believe how quickly that has shifted. Yeah. Cause I feel like we were talking about Gen Z. Like pre-COVID, like mm-hmm. oh yeah, they're coming along in our data. One of the things that we, you know, we always one of the data cuts that we always have for our clients is generation. Yeah, um, we calculate it dynamically based on like industry standards, and the percentage of responses for Gen Z just in an engagement survey data set yeah. is always so small for a lot of companies, it's been yeah, small. Yeah. Now that is like within four years, we're going to go from single digits that to is so crazy. Represent, representation and like employee feedback surveys to like a quarter yeah. of the company being Gen Z. So, That's you know, I'm, I'm still pretty early on in my career. So I haven't seen all of the cycles that you've seen in your career. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, like how much of this is, like these data points are sensationalized and, or is it, I'm curious, like, I'm sure you've seen survey reports like this over the past 20 years, like Gen Xers, they're shaking things up. Um, so <laughs> I, what's your, like your immediate gut reaction when you see stuff you know, like this? I, my immediate reaction is I love it. It just gives me a <laughs> smile because we Gen X, I just remember coming into the workplace and dealing and no offense to the boomers out there. Love you guys. But let's be honest, there was a lot of bullshit in how you worked in the early 2000s. So I started my first job January 3rd, 2000, which doesn't seem that long ago, but it was a long time ago. And it seems like 2000s, like that should be fairly modern. Yeah. But when I started and you know, these stories, Daniel, like I, I was called rookie for the first two years of my career. And, and this is a big consulting firm. And I, after, no, I was called boy 
for the first year. Like how wrong is that? Like that would never fly now. (laughs) Then I was called rookie for another year. And these were just like common practices. Yeah. Like I wasn't the only, I wasn't targeted. Uh And so, and I remember just thinking this is bullshit. Like, why are we doing things this way? Why are we pulling these stupid reports? Why are we doing these same things over and over and over? And then, you know, gen or millennials came around and were like, yeah, F this, like we're going to turn this shit upside down. And there was a whole bunch of churn. And so with, with Gen Z, I have to say that you guys blaze a pretty good trail for Gen Z's because the, I feel like a lot of the resistance happened with millennials. Yeah. I and, think so too. and that was like the real it almost feels like there's been this like gradual change in a positive way right over the past 20 years maybe that started with gen xers when they came into the workforce millennials came in and were like doesn't make sense that we're working this way we it's need bullshit. to make changes yeah and then now gen z is coming in and if there's like any you know uh any of these outdated practices that are still in the office like the few that still are gen zers are like that doesn't make any sense i'm not doing that i don't want any part of that i think what will be really interesting (laughs) is to see how millennials handle gen zers because like i feel like we gen x had to go through that change curve that adoption curve of working with others that had such radical views that were so different you know one of the things that jumps out to me in this study is the um the delta some of the the deltas between Gen Z and millennials, one of which is the better aligns with interests or values, but there was another one, um, better benefits. You know, that's another one that is really, really important to Gen Z. There's a 13% difference between millennials and Gen Z in, in terms of the importance of better benefits. An even bigger difference between, you know, between Gen X and Gen Z, it looks like that's a 25 point difference. And so, and I think, I think the, the benefits that, that can almost be tied back to value alignment because companies with, that are very people first and everything they do is human centric, they're going to offer the best benefits. benefits. Exactly. I wonder if part of that's a COVID effect also. Like, yeah. Are they that's true. really, really interested? Cause they, yeah, see... I mean, it's top of mind. I mean, so many people were affected by COVID the past two years. It's crazy. Cause when I was 21 in my early twenties, I thought I was invincible and I didn't yeah. really care about like me too. benefits. Like what? Like, sure. I'll go to the doctor. Yeah. Like, great. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't a top factor for me. Yeah. And here it's, you know, one of the top, the top few. So I thought that was interesting. Um, the other big difference is the, the more flexible work from home policy wasn't as big or where, millennials, it's the reverse. So millennials had a 42%, you know, 42% of millennials, you know, felt that flexibility in the work arrangement was really, really important. Yeah. Um, and so where that was only 24% or maybe I'm getting my numbers wrong here, but I think that that was one of the things that jumped out at me, uh, was that, flexible work was not as big of a deal for Gen Zers. Yeah. But that also could be situational because yeah. everything is flexible now. Yeah, exactly. Um, so coming back to something that my little brother said, so he said, I want to work for a company that promotes diversity mm-hmm. and collaboration. 
So I'm looking at some notes that I took from another article that Forbes wrote, I think back in May, that was called How Gen Z is Bringing a Fresh Perspective to the World of Work. In that article, it says that, you know, I guess they they did a survey as well, and 90% of Gen Zers desired human connection hmm. at work. And I don't know, I, I imagine that it's difficult right now for, for Gen Zers who are brand new to the workforce, you know, probably in their first jobs ever, right? And they're, they're working either fully remote or maybe going into the office like one day a week. I'm sure it's hard to, to get that connection. Like, yeah, I mean, he, think about it. The majority of Gen Zers will never know what it was like on day one, when you start your first job, like, we yeah, do. they will never know that. Yeah. Cause it's going to be, it's so different now. Right. Yeah. And, and so I can see that, you know, I, I was joking with someone like, I, I can't imagine what it's like starting a job or like being single right now, because, you know, we used to, everything was around social connectivity in-person meetings, like I just, the way that we interacted as, as human beings, you know, it's been impacted negatively by COVID obviously. And it, who knows when it's going to go back, if it will ever go back. Yeah. So there's like a longing for human connection yeah. is what I'm hearing. Yeah, definitely. Um, what else was interesting? Oh, so in addition to Gen Z valuing economic security, they value communication and transparency. It almost feels like these past couple of years have pulled companies forward way faster than they ever would have and almost prepared them for this wave of, of Gen Zers that are about to enter the workforce. Explain. Um, I, I think that companies have been forced to be more transparent and more communicative than they've ever been in the past, whether that's having, you know, a weekly all hands or multiple, you know, standups a week where you're giving the company updates on what's going on or sending out more regular, you know, newsletters on the state of the business um, or, you know, um, expressing a point of view on the issues of the world today and letting people know that that they're supported and they're valued i don't know like i feel like there's never been this much communication between leadership and their employees yeah. than there has been the past couple of years yeah so and i think that gen z is demand will demand that is demanding that because that's all they've ever known their entire life um information has always been, you know, at their fingertips. Right. Right. Like they can, they can literally figure since, okay. So if somebody's, so if I'm 24 correctly, the thought process could be like, if my CEO can't send a video recording mm -hmm. or like a, you know, a loom, that's just the video recording that yeah. we use. Yeah. Or Big fan of some sort of message on, or like 
send a, a channel message through Slack exactly, or like through some gym. form, mm-hmm. then what's wrong with our CEO? Like, why am I not seeing like, yeah, like it almost feels like you're being kept Lazlo at Humu. Like how often are you? All the time. All the time. Yeah. My, yeah. We're obviously smaller company at Workify, but we have a weekly all hands. I probably speak to, you know, each employee multiple times a week. And when I think back, whether it was Jim Turley, who I think was the equivalent of CEO of Ernst & Young or Hank Paulson at Goldman Sachs, like maybe we got a quarterly update or email. Yeah. And, you know, obviously in crisis times of crisis, you, you see more FaceTime, but it definitely has changed. Yeah. It definitely has changed where CEOs have had to get more or leadership. Yeah. Are more visible in using the different communication methods that are out there. And so I, I, I think that makes sense. And I think that that is the, that's one of the refreshing things that I, I think it's refreshing that people care about the values of the company and how those align with their values. I think everything that I'm reading about Gen Z, if this data is accurate, you know, I, it gives me hope. They're, they de- they're demanding, they're demanding everyone to just do better. Yeah. And I think that's a good <laughs> it is thing. A fair it's a legit, request. Yeah. it's a legit request, you know, be better companies. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think that if there's, if there's one thing, you know, just thinking back to Mateo's feedback and what Mateo shared, you know, I think that, um, you know, diversity, it's interesting to hear diversity being like the number one yeah. thing on his list, the culture, cultural things on his list. I think diversity is going to be, you know, I think that is going to be number one for a lot of people. Yeah. And I, and we've talked, you know, I'm just tying this back to the conversations we've had with heads of HR, et cetera. And it's something that companies we know are struggling with the most. Mm-hmm. And my guess is it's one of the cultural factors that is also really, really important. Yeah. Mind you, you know, there's probably whether you want it or don't want it, right? I think there's going to yeah. be strong feelings um, both ways. And so, so I thought that was cool to hear in Mateo's feedback. Yeah. That, that was like his number one. Yeah. I'm trying to like tie everything that we're saying together into like one sentence and it's hard for me to do yeah i don't know it it almost feels like going forward people are demanding whether it's millennials or gen zers um like almost like better integration of personal and professional lives Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like being able to be the same human in both worlds yeah. in a way. Yeah. And I think what's jumping out to me, cause I'm wearing my CEO hat today. Mm-hmm. Cause we, we talked about that before we started just, you know, that that's the, the primary job that I've had today. Um, and so from a CEO, I think the headline for me is, if the things that we have listed out are things that you are not strong at, mm-hmm. and I'm guessing 
they're some of these things are weaknesses of yeah. the companies, you know, for the CEOs out there, you would be very wise to invest in those things. Yeah. Invest in those parts of the culture that matter to Gen Z because that shift, the 20, you know, 25% of the workforce being Gen Z in four years, that is just crazy to me. And yeah. I don't think companies are ready. Yeah. In my opinion. I think there's segments of the of the labor market or the the workplace um, or certain industries, I guess is what I'm trying to say, like high tech is probably a little more ready than other industries. But, mm -hmm. you know, I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done. So one thing that I, I found really interesting, you mentioned high tech. Um, <laughs> so a study found that the percentage of Americans who felt the tech industry had a positive impact on society dropped from 71% in 2015 to 50% in 2019. So not to totally sidetrack this conversation, but you talking about the tech industry being a little bit more progressive and like ahead of the curve. I just thought it was interesting that the perception of, I guess, big tech or tech has uh, dipped or <laughs> Um, it's more negative than positive or as positive it was, as it was five years ago. I, I think that makes sense. Yeah. There's like a lack of trust almost. Yeah. And well, <laughs> if I go back to the comments I made, I think tech is ahead of the game because they have to be. Right. Yeah. And I think they're going to struggle to, to attract talent like they used to. Yeah. In my, that's my, in my humble opinion. And this is like when in 2000, the buzz well, was like consulting. And then in the 20, in the late 2000s, you know, early 2010s, like type of time, it was financial, financial services was the trend for a long time. It's been tech. Yeah. I think the biggest difference now is that every company is a tech company. That's also a good point. Yeah. Like even if they're name, not really they're positioning so many companies are positioning themselves yeah, as like high tech. Think of any Fortune 500 company and I guarantee you they have a huge team of software engineers, of data scientists, of uh, machine learning engineers. Um every company is a tech company. So I I think it in a way is going to force other industries to catch up. Because if they want to position themselves as a tech company as well, they need to catch up in some of these other areas. When I think that so much 10 years ago, there were so many fundamental aspects of our life that could be disrupted in a positive way. Mm -hmm. But like that seems to now everything is tech driven. Yeah. And so working for the next software that, SaaS company that's going to automate whatever yeah. process yeah. doesn't seem as exciting or thrilling. Yeah. Yeah. I think, so. I think there's also pessimism. Yeah. <laughs> In this data, I think people are pessimistic just with, you know, the impact social media is having because these are big social media users. They've only known a world where you are socially connected all the time. Yeah. I think with studies showing increasingly that there are some really negative effects of 
social media mm-hmm. and tech, that has to factor in to the data, in my opinion. Yeah. So I know we're getting close to the end of the conversation, but I guess to uh, to wrap things up, I thought it would be interesting if we just riffed on what it is that makes a strong culture. Like what should companies be focused on when it comes to their culture? Hmm. That's I, a that's a good question. I can go first because I have I have something that is always front of mind for me, but it's psychological safety. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like psychological safety impacts so much of what you do at work. It impacts your willingness to speak up in a meeting and share an idea that you have. It impacts all of these moments throughout the day when you're about to slack somebody and ask them for feedback on something that you've been working on or asking them for help with something. Or, I mean, I, I don't know, like I, I, I could name a thousand other moments that happen throughout the day, but if you don't feel that psychological safety, then chances are you're not going to do any of those things and it's going to stifle your ability to be effective in your job. And you're, that's going to have this, uh, impact on your mental well-being and like there's this huge ripple effect so i I feel like psychological safety is probably one of the things that probably the top thing in my mind yeah i i have a slightly different take i and i'll explain why in a second i think culture to me is what are the drivers of your business that make you absolutely unique and special. And to be able to capture those drivers in the form of values Mm -hmm. in an authentic way that people understand, not just words on framed pictures that you put into your office, but real values Mm -hmm. and having those values integrated in all aspects of what you do. Yeah. And the reason for me, my answer is different because for years and years, certainly while I've been, you know, in the work that we do at Workify, engagement, culture, et cetera, the, I've, I've often wondered, you know, there are companies that are not fun places to work at. Yeah. They are not, what I would consider psychologically safe. Yeah. And these are some of the most successful companies in the world. Yeah. Like some of the fangs, right? I would argue it's pro- those probably aren't fun places to work. And so why? And I think it's because they own who they are and they know what it is that drives, you know, their business and they're unapologetic about that. And, and yes, they probably adapt with time, mm-hmm. but when you think about what is it like to work at Apple, you hear the stories about Steve Jobs, the good things, the not so good things. Yeah, um, I've had the opportunity to work with them on a consulting basis and uh, they weren't the easiest company you know, to where I've done a lot of consulting for a lot of different companies mm-hmm. and it, they have a very unique culture yeah. that I would not consider easy to work in. Yeah. And, um, and so that's why, like for me, culture isn't about feeling good 
It's about like what, you know, staying true to who you are and that's either going to attract talent, bless you and allow you to keep talent or not. But that to me is what like, you know, as again, like the CEO perspective, that's, that's what defines culture for me, but it's such a nebulous thing. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. So this is fun. I'm glad it's funny. We went full circle. We started, we did. With culture. We started with culture came. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was a culture sandwich. It was a culture sandwich. Yeah. One of my favorite kinds. So, well, what do you have going on for Thanksgiving? I will be hosting my family. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. This is the, the first Thanksgiving that Tori and I are hosting. So, uh, yeah, we're doing the whole thing. Although we're kind of cheating. We're not, we're not doing the Turkey ourselves. Oh man. So we ordered a fried Turkey. And we're going to pick it up the day before. Nice. Um, which will be delicious. And then fried turkeys are delicious. Yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of just like, what would it be? Uh, like a roasted oven roasted, turkey. Oven roasted yeah. turkey. Not a big fan, but fried turkey. I love it. I've got to be honest. So this, you've never hosted you personally. No. Thanksgiving. One of the most nerve wracking things is slicing the turkey in front Ooh. of like everyone's at the table. Like, how do I cut this thing? So my dad's going to be here. So yeah. And, and so is Tori's dad. Okay. So and then you I like, might just what like, are the dynamics here? No, I'll hand him the knife. I have no shame. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's a smart move. Yeah. And like take notes. Yeah, exactly. Um, I know they'll either of them will be excited to uh, cut the turkey up and I can learn by watching them. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have Outsource no idea that. what I'm doing. Because it's stressful. I'll, I'll probably, I don't know why. Yeah. It's simple. You're like. Yeah. stabbing it and you're like carving it but yeah everyone's watching i'd rather not you know have everybody watch me fail at that so. yeah that's smart that's yeah. smart not on the first hosting yeah. that's for sure yeah well, awesome cool, man we'll have a good um i maybe we should we should in the spirit of thanksgiving you know what's like one thing you're grateful for this year heading into thanksgiving oh it's hard to pinpoint one thing but uh uh I'll, I'll go i'm first. happy i'm healthy yeah and um i have a lot of great friends and family around me ditto so that's uh, not one thing i, I cheated no no that, that's good that's good i think that for me i'm grateful for health all the things you mentioned i'm also grateful that i can i find myself at a point in life where i can do things that are exciting mm-hmm. that are I'm taking risks. I'm having fun. I'm in like the thrive zone. And so yeah. I'm grateful for that. Yeah. I agree. I, I feel like that too. I, I don't think that, you know, a few years ago I'd be taking some of the same risks that I'm taking today. And I'm no, it's grateful that I have been. Now I'm grateful for you. Yeah. I'm grateful also. for you as well. I'm looking forward to, we, we did our offside about, next year modern people leader yeah taking it to the next level i'm yeah. excited about big that. things to come <laughs> big things big things <laughs> exactly all right well till the next one all righty fun see you later bye thanks for for tuning in to another episode of the modern people leader we we really really appreciate it and if you enjoyed the show please leave us a five-star rating it would mean the world to us and connect with us on LinkedIn. We want to we wanna know what you think about the show. 
And uh, yeah, you can you can find links to both of our profiles in the show notes. So thanks again for listening and, and see you on the next episode. 